Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. It's hard to follow Bob singing Andre Crouch, let me tell you that, in the choir. Wasn't that great? That was fantastic. I feel like every time I come back to First Baptist Silva, it's like coming home. When I moved here in 1985, this is where I came and made my membership and, and enjoyed the time here. And so when I get to come back and see old face or familiar faces, let me rephrase that, familiar faces, it's great to see them and it's also nice to meet new folks as well. If you want to turn to the scripture today, it's Luke chapter 17. If not, you can listen, but I'm not going to get there yet. I want to start by telling a story. It was 1974, John Canuso knelt by the hospital bed of his daughter, Babe. The nine-year-old had just been diagnosed with leukemia. Can you imagine as a parent? There were tears, sobbing, fears from the scared little girl as well as from her father. John and his wife swapped nights. One night he would spend the evening with Babe and his wife would spend the evening with their five children in South Philly. Then the next night they would switch. As so often happens in situations like this, John made a promise to God. He said, God, save my kid and I will dedicate the rest of my life to you. God, have mercy on me. John kept his promise. John was a builder by trade. And his daughter was able to leave the hospital. So afterwards, he asked the hospital how he could help. And together, they came up with an idea. You, you do construction. You're, you own a construction company. How about if you provide a place that could provide housing for parents who are visiting kids when they are here in the hospital? So using his own money, he renovated a rundown house in Philadelphia near the hospital, and it became the first Ronald McDonald house in the world. A home, a safe haven, where parents can come and seek respite and rest, when they're struggling with one of the most difficult situations a parent could ever have to face. Babe lived 40 years. She married, had three children, but died from the complications of that leukemia. But she lived a long, long life after it was first diagnosed when she was nine years old. But since then, John didn't give up on his promise. He has raised $2 million for cancer research, and he has donated 61 partial scholarships to students at Temple University who are dealing with the travesty and the hardships of a cancer diagnosis in their own lives. He said, helping others is my way of saying thanks. A promise made was a promise kept. 
When has someone recently told you or shown you thanks? I want you to think about that. Ponder that for a moment. When is recent time that someone has shown you or told you thanks? Now let me take it a step further. When is the time recently that you have shown or said thanks to someone as well? This is not common in a church service, but I want you to turn to the person next to you. Don't want you to get up moving around. I'm only going to give you a minute. But I want you to share that moment of thanks with the person around you. Go. So give me a report. When has someone told you thanks recently? Just now. There we go. Perfect. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's good to see each other, isn't it? Anyone else? In today's story, Jesus has an encounter with a thankful man. And if you have your Bibles, as I said before, let's begin reading in Luke chapter 17, and I'll be reading verses 11 through 19. I'm reading from the New International Version. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And Luke mentions, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to the man, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Verse 11 begins reminding us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. This is an important fact. Because if we know what happens in this moment, it basically begins in Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus has reached the pinnacle of his ministry, and he looks at his disciples and he says, Who do people say that I am? Well, some think you're Elijah, and some think you're John the Baptist, come back to life, and... Others think you're a prophet. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, in this bold confession, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Bible says from that moment on, Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. 
Jesus was a man on a mission. Jesus was on his way. And the Bible reminds us that he is on his way to Jerusalem in this journey. He has a lot of things to worry about. And maybe not necessarily time to listen to the pleas and cries of someone who would be considered unclean. He's on the border of Samaria and Galilee. His trip is interrupted. And they begin yelling to him from a distance. Have mercy on us. Have pity on us. Leprosy is a horrible disease. You lose your hair. You lose your hands. You lose your feet. Your eyes. And then your life. Penicillin has eradicated that for most of the world today. But back in that day, it was a death sentence. Not only a physical death, but also a social death and isolation from family and friends because it was so contagious. It was so easily caught that you had to isolate yourself from everyone else. You could not have contact with another person, so you lost your home, you lost your family, you lost your friends. And you had to form your own colonies of support outside the city gates where you didn't have protection. You didn't have the help and resources that everyone else had. And to make it even worse, if anyone came close to you, according to the law of that day, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean. Sound like any population groups today? Sound like some folks that we might know? The only hope for the outcast was that family or friends would bring them support as they lived outside the city. So on this day, they're yelling, they're, they're yelling unclean, but also they're yelling something else. They have their own message because they are on a mission as well. They've heard that Jesus is coming through and this is their chance. Maybe I can be made well. Maybe we can be healed. So the ten lepers call from a distance, Lord, have mercy on us. The word mercy means compassion for the ill will of others. It's a request denoting a response. I'm not just shouting, hoping something will happen. I'm shouting, pleading that this will happen. It is the need of one person begging for the resources of another person to help. It's someone in need asking for assistance in their trouble from someone who they believe can give them the support. The same word is used in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, and I'll read it very quickly. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. You see, the God who is rich in mercy provides salvation have mercy 
Does that sound like John Canuso? Does that sound like us sometimes? Any of us hurting here? Any of us feel isolated today? Any of us feel alone? The holidays are coming, and this is a time when you can feel very, very isolated from family and friends. Or you feel like you're all alone. Do you know someone who is crying out this week and saying, God, have mercy on me. Have pity. I was talking with someone this week, you know, being a 58-year-old single man. And my kids are living away. It's sometimes awkward at Thanksgiving to know what to do. And sometimes it's awkward to sit at home alone in the evening and say to myself, I wonder if anybody knows I'm missing. What if I fell down and broke a hip? I need, do I need a life alert? Am I at that point in my life? Not making fun of life alerts. I understand it. But they call out from a distance and they say, God, I need your help. I need your mercy. And God offers that mercy through Jesus Christ. And they are healed. Jesus turns and he says, show yourself to the priests. Why is that? Because in Leviticus 14 says, the priests are the ones who determine whether you are clean. They are the ones who get to determine if you now can come from your place of isolation into the place of being in a fellowship with people again. And they turn to go show themselves to the priests and they are healed. There's a lesson for us to learn here that healing happens in obedience to God. And the nine run off ecstatic and overjoyed. Man, they can't believe it. Woo! They're healed, but they miss the entire blessing, the nine do. Because they're so excited about being healed, they run off. They go, oh man, I got to go see the priest. And as I was preparing this message this week, I thought, how many times am I like the nine? So thankful for what I have that I take it for granted and forget to stop and give thanks. That I'm so self-absorbed that I forget to remember the person who helped me along the way. In the church, you know, I grew up in the church. It's been an active part of my whole life. I tell people I was attending church nine months before I was born. But how many times have we heard the story of Jesus and the salvation offered and we don't, and sometimes we take it for granted. We just, it just, it, we take, we, we don't pay attention to it like we used to. In our excitement, sometimes we forget to give thanks. But one does return to give thanks and Jesus looks at him and says, where are the nine? Notice the position where they were, they were far away from Jesus. They were required by law to do so. But this leper, when he is healed, comes into the presence of God himself to give thanks. The one who is thankful is far off, but now he comes close to God. And Jesus gives him more than he ever bargained for. 
See, healing brings inclusion back into the society. But there's a more holistic healing that this man gets. He says to the man, you are clean, you are delivered, you are saved. And then as Jesus is telling the story and Luke records it, and Jesus makes a point to say, he was a Samaritan because he was the outcast, he was the foreigner, he was the half-blood, he was the one that shouldn't have been doing this, but he was. This man wanted physical healing, but when he came into the presence of Jesus, he got that and so much more. When Jesus says, you are whole, the word there means, it, it brings a holistic healing. It's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social healing as well. And thanksgiving does that, doesn't it? When we are thankful, we grow closer to God, physically as well as spiritually, because we know where it comes from. So I want to talk about three things briefly that I think thankfulness does for us. What does thankfulness, what does gratitude do? The first thing I think, it makes us appreciate our good fortune. For a moment, we stand back from our lives and we look and we say, wow, I truly am blessed. It is counting your many blessings, naming them one by one, and being surprised, as the old hymn says, at what God has done. It's also a sign of your character. Are you selfish or are you generous? Do you appreciate what you have or do you feel like you're entitled to what you have? When my son Jonathan was five years old, he was eating a candy bar in the foyer of the church where I was the youth minister at East Silva Baptist Church. And Charles Dean, if you know Charles, came up to him and said, oh my goodness, I am so hungry. Oh goodness, I would love to have a candy bar right now. Oh, even, even just a bite of a candy Oh, would be so wonderful. And my son Jonathan at five years old looked at him and said, you can buy them at Walmart. <laughs> How many times am I like that little boy? Maybe he learned it from his father, I don't know. But when we become thankful people, we appreciate what we have and we don't feel entitled. The second thing it does is it helps us recognize the giver. We realize our dependence on them and, the, and appreciate what they have done for us. When we appreciate the giver, we are giving them honor, aren't we? Man, I am so glad to see you. Oh my goodness, thank you for helping me with that project. I gave a compliment to a person this week and they said, oh, you don't know how much that means to me. A wave or a smile. When somebody lets you merge into a busy traffic lane. What? People do that these days? Do we take time to smile and wave? Or driving through Western when you get to the crosswalk? And you let, you know, you're, oh, man, I'm on my way. I'm on a mission. And I see somebody getting right across. I really appreciate it when they wave and they at least acknowledge that I did something. 
Or it's the center pointing at the point guard after he gave in the alley-oop pass saying, I couldn't have done that without you. Or what about the text that says, you're special. You really mean something to me. Or a phone call to somebody that you know might be alone. Just say, I was thinking of you today and I wanted to call. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. Thanksgiving helps us recognize the giver. And the final thing is it brings us closer to God. Gratitude makes us aware of our need for mercy. We see the situation through God's eyes. And it's then when we see God's response. It's seeing the whole picture, the bigger picture. It's a reciprocated giving. Because God has done so much for us, I want to do for others. You know, the Bible says, not Israel is God's chosen people. But when God chose Abraham and said, I'm going to change your name from Father Abram to Father of many nations, Abraham, he also said, you are being blessed to be a blessing to all the nations. Our mandate as believers as followers of Christ, as God-fearing people, is not to absorb it for ourselves and say, wow, look at us, look at all that we got. Yep, God really loves me. It's in turn giving and sharing that with others. It's a sense of grace that is imparted by saying thanks. In offering thanks, we're sharing a gift of God with our neighbor. We are imparting God to them in thanks. J.B. Fuqua, do we know that name? J.B. Fuqua was born in 1918. His mom died when he was four years old. He was sent to his mother's parents' house where he was raised on a rural farm in Virginia. He couldn't afford college, and if he could afford it, he couldn't have gone because he had to work on the farm. He loved to read, and he loved operating a ham radio. But while he was working on the farm, he had heard that Duke University let people borrow books for free. What? So he started requesting books and reading all the books he could. Just reading, requesting a book, reading it, sending it back. And he started his own uh, tractor supply store. And then it grew. And then it grew. And then it grew. He bought a radio station. His, his interest in ham radio turned into a full-time job as a radio station owner. And then he established Fuqua Industries, a Fortune 500 company, a multi-billion dollar company today. He became a state senator and a representative in the state of Georgia. And today, if you go to Duke University, you will see the Fuqua School of Business, which is named after him, as he has given over $40 million 
to Duke University. He was asked to serve as a trustee, and he said, I would have never had a chance to be where I am today if I had not been able to borrow those books when I was on a rural farm in Virginia. This is my way of giving back. It's my way of saying thanks for what this university has done for us, for me. So what about us? We're not billionaires. I, I don't know you all, but I'm guessing we, you, maybe you are. Maybe some of us are millionaires. I know I'm not. But we can still give and show thanks to people around us in our own special ways. Thanksgiving holiday is upon us. It's a time when we stop to give thanks. But shouldn't Thanksgiving be a holiday every day? Shouldn't that be a part of who we are? We load up in the car and we uh, bake a lot of food, and cook a lot of food, and we load the family up and we take off and we're, now we're cramped in cramped quarters and now everybody's gathering in a tight house and, and you know Uncle Frank is going to talk about inappropriate things at the dinner and we're all embarrassed. And sometimes we go, really, is this the time to give thanks? But it is. Every time is a good time to give thanks. I want us today to learn the example of John Canuso, J.B. Fuqua, and this Samaritan leper. To give thanks to those who helped you, supported you, and gave you a chance. And in doing so, we become less selfish, we begin begin to become more appreciative, we grow closer to others, and we become blessed by God. So my challenge for us today is this. Take time to give thanks to someone this week. And when you do, may you find healing along your way. Amen.